from sunny Minnesota, this is the Polaris Podcast, brought to you by the Polaris Help Center. I am Joe Zemer, and I am not an expert in the world of snowmobiles. But as always, I am joined by an expert. Today, we're talking with Polaris service engineer Hunter Miller, and Hunter is going to educate us on the importance of a proper new snowmobile break-in. This is all important information to know, whether you're a first-time or a long-time snowmobile owner. So let's get to it and learn from Hunter Miller. We have a first-time guest. Hunter, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Would you mind giving us a quick introduction to yourself and your role with Polaris? Yeah, thanks, Joe. Uh, my name is Hunter Miller. I am the service engineer for Polaris Snowmobiles and our timber sled products. My role with Polaris is mainly focused around serviceability of our products and really kind of improving that. So I work a lot with our dealers, and I work a lot uh, with our engineering design team to really uh, bring the best product to our customers. Perfect. Well, you're here with us today to talk about new snowmobile break-in. At a high level, what do we mean by the term break-in and why do we do it? Yeah, so uh, the snowmobile has a couple critical systems, like many uh, motorized products that have uh, or that just need some time to break in, whether it's uh, like material wear in the first couple hundred miles, or we'll talk a lot about like parts that stretch or just uh, change their shape a little bit in the first hundred miles. And really the break-in period is important because it allows those components to remain durable over the life of the vehicle and deliver the best performance. Let's talk some specifics then, and let's start with the engine. What's the engine break-in period? Why are we doing this? Yeah, so there's a couple different things that you can do and the sled's doing during uh, the break-in period of your snowmobile. So something that the sleds do uh, on our fuel-injected models, we actually add fuel and we add oil during the break-in period. So depending on our models, we'll add uh, that extra fuel and oil for allotted runtime of the engine when the engine is over a certain amount of RPM. So just to give you an example, on like our Patriot 850 engines, we're adding 2% additional fuel for the first two hours of runtime and then an additional 15% of oil over the first 10 hours of runtime that the engine spends above 3,500 RPM. So what is that doing? The, the oil, the extra oil, is helping all the mo- moving components uh, break in, primarily related to like your piston rings and your pistons, just making sure that the seal between the piston ring and the cylinder walls is a really good seal, and then we'll back that off towards the end of that 10 hours to reduce the the smoke, both the visual, how much smoke you see, the smell, and it reduces your oil consumption. The additional fuel is just, in general, good practice for engine break-in, and that's why it's only for the short two-hour period. And kind of the same message, it it helps all those moving components break in uh, and just gives us a little leeway during the first couple heat cycles of the engine. What the rider can do, what's really important to help the durability and performance of the engine during break-in, is there's there's kind of a couple main things. Um, so you want to avoid like extended periods of high speed or full throttle running. So like you don't want to just get out on the lake right away and go wide open throttle all the way across the lake your first ride. You want to be really good at watching your en- engine temperatures and avoid overheating. And then it's also really important to try to avoid like short heat cycles. So what I mean by that is we want the engine to fully heat up and have the coolant all circulate through the system each ride for the first couple of rides. And that allows kind of all the internal components to heat and cool nice and evenly 
and just makes it really easy for all those moving components to break in. And then kind of along with that is actually you want to avoid extended periods of idle time. So it's actually better to get out and let the engine go throughout multiple RPM ranges and uh, kind of use its full power band versus just letting the engine sit and idle. One thing you mentioned there was fuel. Do I need to pre-mix my fuel initially during this break-in period? So for our fuel-injected models, we don't need to do any type of pre-mix. So our fuel-injected models actually have an electronically controlled oil injection pump. And so with the engine, the engine computer can control that pump and add the additional oil during the break-in period or during the first tank of first couple tanks of fuel. So you don't have to do that on our fuel-injected models. And then on our Polaris 550 engines, our fan-cooled engines that are uh, found in our Evo models and our Indy models, it is recommended that you pre-mix the first tank of fuel on those 550 carbureted engines. So, Let's now turn to the drive belt, another important component. What do I need to do for break-in when it comes to my drive belt? Yeah, so we can talk about it in, in two different ways. It's really two different conversations. So there's when the sled is brand new, and then there's obviously when I replace my drive belt uh, after a couple thousand miles of use. So in, in obviously when the sled's brand new, we don't need to clean the clutch sheaves. They're, those should, they're already clean from the factory and set to specification and should be good to go. But if I were to be replacing my belt after or going from a, a used one to a new one, that's something that's really important is to make sure that the both the primary and secondary clutch sheaves are nice and clean, um, just using like a rag and some isopropyl alcohol to wipe off the sheaves and inspect them for any damage. It's just really good practice when you're replacing a belt. When that belt's brand new, it's good, kind of similar to when the engine's brand new, to avoid high speeds, heavy loads extended periods of full throttle and then the last one is maintaining a constant speed for long periods of time so what's really important when the drive belt's brand new is that you're using the entire sheave face of the clutches so you you want the the belts to go through their full shift pattern and actually it's what's happening is depositing a little bit of the belt material onto the clutch sheaves so it's important to try to avoid that consistent speed because if you're going at consistent speed, your your clutches are basically never shifting and you're only depositing uh, that material onto one portion of the sheave. So it's a, we, we say don't go full throttle for a long period of time. Same thing, like don't hop on the lake and just go wide open throttle all the way across the lake. But that's not to say that you can't go full throttle. You can still go full throttle for short periods of time to let the belts or the clutches shift all the way out. And generally, you kind of just want to avoid that uh, high-speed, heavy-load scenario for the first 30 miles, uh, and then you should be good to go. The last thing you want to do is after that 30 miles, on uh, most of our secondary clutches, we have a belt deflection adjustment, and it's it's really simple process. It's just a little nut and an Allen key that you screw, all spelled out in the owner's manual, that process. But after the, the first 30 to 50 miles after installing a new belt, or when your belt's brand new, your sled's brand new, it's good to go back in and adjust that belt uh, deflection. And that's just going to result in your clutches performing at their absolute maximum level. So what's the bottom line there? How does that help the belt? Yeah, so doing all those things that we just talked about, it really does two things. It's going to maximize your belt life and maximize your transmission or clutching performance. And that's probably the two most important things that anyone could ask for out of a 
belt. So some of our models will have a quick drive belt and that belt also has a break-in period. What is the break-in period for the quick drive belt and what should we as riders be doing during that break-in period? Yeah, so the, the break-in period for the quick drive belt is approximately 100 miles. I mean, that obviously varies on kind of your riding style and riding conditions. Really what's going to happen during that time is that the belt is going to shed a little bit and then it's actually a composite fiber drive belt. So as it kind of does its first couple of rotations in, in the system, it could shed a little bit of fiber material around the drive system. So if you pull the side panel off, you might notice some of that material shedding from the drive belt in the first 100 miles. Really, the, the only thing that the, the rider needs to do is if you're I guess, out doing lots of high, high throttle, high track load events, uh, you're in like a, a field full of deep snow and you're just riding around, you're, you're putting a lot of heat into that drive system. During the break-in period or during that first 100 miles, it's good to stop occasionally and allow the snowmobile to cool all the way down. That will help the belt heat cycle. And same with the drive belt, it will maximize its performance and reliability over the life of the snowmobile. For any of our newbies to snowmobiling, what sort of models would you find the quick drive belt on? Yeah, so quick drive is featured on our deep snow RMK models. It's a replacement for our chain case system, which is exclusive to Polaris. And really the the main benefits are lightweight and significantly reducing the static weight of the snowmobile. And then more importantly, it's reducing the dynamic weight of the drive system. So that's where the uh, kind of performance of the quick drive system comes in. It's just a, a, a really uh, cool system uh, in our RMK sled. You mentioned some of the fiber shedding. Are there other things we'll notice from the quick drive belt during the break-in period? Yeah, occasionally the quick drive belt will produce a unique sound. Like I said, it's stretching and the composite uh, material is shedding some of that fiber, really taking the shape in its first, you know, rotations, quick rotations uh, as you're driving the snowmobile for the first time. Or, And oftentimes it will also, as it belt is stretching, it, it'll produce a unique sound. It almost sounds like a, a whining or a growl in some cases. And you can hear it that it's coming right near your right foot. You can hear in that general area the quick belt, uh, the quick drive belt making some noise during the break-in period completely normal uh, with that system. Like I said, as, as it stretches and it kind of takes its its final shape, it could make a little bit of noise. Typically, it's not very long. You, you might hear it for the first 50 miles, 50 to 100 miles, and then it'll start to slowly kind of tone itself out. Well, what about the models that have the chain case rather than the quick drive? Is there anything that needs to be done during the break-in period for a chain case? Most of our, our models, really, but RMK features the quick drive and then everything else has the chain case. So it, it's kind of the more common drive system across our lineup of snowmobiles and it, it's really simple the 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 chain case comes filled with oil from the factory set up ready to go um, the one thing that you can do is there's a chain ch- tension adjustment and it's really simple same thing just pop the side panel off and you can get in there and you basically take a, a nut loose and it's just a little adjuster to uh, set your chain tension and with many of the things that we've been talking about, it, the chain will stretch and kind of seat itself onto the gears in the system. And it's just a good practice to go back and make sure that your uh, 
chain tension is set to spec after, usually we say about the first 150 miles, it's good to go back and check that out and make sure it's uh, set to spec. What about the track? Is there a braking period for the track on our snowmobile? And if so, what is it? Yeah, so tracks are kind of unique. Uh, we offer so many snowmobiles for so many different types of riding in each kind of has their own uh, specialty and own process. But I think kind of in in a general sense, we can say, depending on your track and riding conditions, the break-in period could range from anywhere from 50 to 100 miles. And what's happening there in that time, it's the same thing. Track's a big piece of rubber. It's a uh, stretching and kind of taking a final set. So tracks will stretch some amount in that period. And then after they take that initial shape, the track stretches much less over the next thousand miles of the vehicle. So on something like an RMK that has a very long, relatively heavy track because it has all the big tall lugs on it, you might have to adjust track tension as early as 50 miles. It's really something that you should check after every ride for the first couple, your first couple of rides. Some of our trail sleds with lighter tracks, they don't, they won't necessarily stretch as much during that the, during the first couple of rides. So you can probably go 150 miles and, you know, once you got it in the trailer, got it back in the shop after your first ride, give the track tension a glance and adjust it, tighten it up if, if need be. So after I've gotten through all these break-in periods, am I good to just let it rip? Am I done with inspections on my snowmobile? If only it was that easy. The hard work is really done. The break-in period and meticulously following the break-in period is really setting your sled up for success and it's gonna there's a lot of good things you can do during the break-in period uh to make sure that the snowmobile uh lasts you for many thousands of miles but we do have a recommended maintenance procedure outlined in the owner's manual to kind of recheck all these things at certain intervals and following that uh, really kind of like i already said helps the your sled uh stay reliable and uh, helps you prevent uh, breakdowns and just in general, it kind of makes your sled ownership experience uh, a lot a lot more fun. Hunter, I know you've got a lot on your plates. So we appreciate you making some time for us today. Thanks, Joe. A big thanks to Hunter and a big thanks to all of you for listening. As always, a special welcome goes out to our first-time listeners. We're happy you found us. If you like what you've heard, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Then make sure to hit that subscribe button and tell your friends to do the same. If you're new to snowmobiles, I'd recommend going back and listening to some older episodes. We kicked off 2021 with two beginner's guide episodes. Those might be especially helpful for newbies. If you're an experienced rider, you might want to go back and give a listen to our episodes on pre-ride inspections or ski and track maintenance. And if you have a question or an idea for a future episode, please let us know. Use the link in the description of this episode to get in touch. And make sure to check out the Polaris Snowmobiles Help Center and the Polaris Snowmobiles YouTube channel for more information. Again, look for those links in the episode description. Then stay tuned for future episodes. And until then, this has been the Polaris Podcast. Hi, you've reached Joe. Sorry I missed your call. Please leave me your name, your number, and a short message, and I'll get right back to you. Thanks and have a great day. Straight to voicemail. Okay. Joe, you need to tell them that the Polaris Help Center is their first stop for vehicle information, maintenance tips, and how-to videos. All they have to do is look for the help button in the upper right-hand corner of any Polaris brand website.
They also need to remember that all riders should always wear helmets, eye protection, and protective clothing and footwear. Read, understand, and follow their owner's manual. Never ride under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And always ride within the limits of your own abilities and never engage in stunt or exhibition driving. Next time, answer your phone. Okay, bye.